Welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change. Through this podcast, speaking and coaching, we focus on our personal work as parents, the awareness, intention, and approach needed to raise amazing humans while we also get some shit done. Join us to radically redefine kids' resistance as an opportunity to nurture skills and values like consent, nonviolent communication, emotional intelligence, body positivity, and respect. We attempt this by practicing powers beyond control, evidence-based tools that protect our kids' personal freedoms, support their skill building, and better align with how we roll as people. To us, this is the practice of parenting, when we can choose trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection. We're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. After this brief intro, you'll hear the audio from our latest live Instagram Q&A. Our live sessions are so much fun. We basically Mm -hmm. show up and connect, commiserate, and build skills alongside our upbringing community. Folks write in ahead of time or chime in with questions and struggles around kids' big feelings and challenging behaviors. We typically explore five to 15 questions and offer our take, our instincts, our goals, helpful phrasing, and ways to parent with alignment and integrity using our resist approach. Thank you for being here and for supporting us. And if you'd like to give your family and upbringing some extra support, please visit our website at upbringing.co to learn about our upcoming membership community, as well as our shop, which is now full of informative guides and inspiring prints based on everything we've shared here on the podcast these past two years. Wow. Two years. (laughs) Thanks for growing up alongside us one conversation at a time. Here we go. I'm Hannah. This is Kelty. We're upbringing. We're here tonight to talk about the beauty that is spirited kids, mm-hmm. among other things with you, about your spirited kids. Mm-hmm. We're the happy struggle, you're here. the pain, the, the trying to thrive and not just survive, all the things, all the big feels, yeah. right? We, it's going to be a little bit of a quicker uh, video and episode this week. Yeah. Uh, we want to briefly acknowledge our privilege as cis, straight, able-bodied white women, uh, just the privilege of being able to talk about this, to be able to work on this is immense. To be able to see our kids in this way and work mm-hmm. with them in this way, it takes a lot of, of time and investment and awareness. And we have that and we're lucky, mm-hmm. right? And also, we also have a responsibility to say, oh, well, you know, <laughs> you, you do the responsibility, I'll do the parent power responsibility. Well, with that privilege comes that responsibility yeah. that we don't perpetuate inherited legacies of control that begin in our home and then go into these other institutions, right? Yeah. We want to teach our, our kids how to use power um, with awareness, with respect, right? Not to abuse their power. Yeah. We also don't want to condition them or anyone else to think that being abused by power is okay. And that begins in our home, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why we're thinking about these things, not just to get through the day, not just to get our kid ahead, right? But to show up and grow up in a way that creates not just sanity in the moment, but greater social change. Yeah. Yeah. I think often people come to us and they're like, okay, so I want to be an anti-racist parent. What do I do? Um, I'm buying the books. I'm going to the rallies. I'm talking about um, racism and and the community, and we're so talking good. about history, we're reading yeah. new authors, we're changing our community, we're so many amazing things. We're talking about diversity, all this stuff, and we're like, yes, 
all of that. And, and what can we be doing in those hard moments? Discipline people. It's all about discipline. Yeah. What do we do in the hard moments? How do we show up? Do we show up in a way that kind of reflects the white supremacist dictator oppressors that we don't want to be? You forgot capitalist. In oh, there. geez. <laughs> this, is, this is not going to be so heavy, everyone. No. Or can we show up in a way that inspires our kids right. to move through the world in a really wonderful way? That's mm-hmm. where we're at. Temporarily able-bodied, um, we should be adding. I like we that. We all become disabled if we're lucky to live long enough. Thank you for adding that. Temporarily able-bodied. Thank you. I like um, that. I think we should start tonight. I mean, write in with uh, your challenges with those sensitive and spirited kiddos, mm-hmm. right? We're promoting our, tonight our um, Spirited Kids Club, which is a uh, few spots left in July. It's small group coaching, mm-hmm. and also August is open. And then we're also talking about our Right from the Start course, um, which is Baby's First Year. Talk about it later. But I thought that we should, mm-hmm. as you guys are typing in, um, some little things, we could start with a story. So Kel, start your story. Okay. What was going on with you? We're talking spirited kids tonight, everybody. So let us know what's going on for you. We'll get to it in just a moment, but let's set the scene. Let's set, some people are like, oh, what's a spirited kid? What's a mm-hmm. sensitive kid? Do you some- guys, you Hannah and Kelty, you're on top of it. You're talking about all the right things, quote unquote, to do. You seem to have it all together. I mean, you probably never have challenges with your kids anymore, right? Yeah, or spirited kids, what are those? All kids are spirited. Or spirited kids, I don't think that's a thing. Right. Yeah, I had a a tough night with my my older daughter who's six last night. She's been just slowly, I don't want to say like aging out of her spiritedness. She's processing, she's growing, she's been building skills and evolving in a really incredible way. So moments where she kind of reverts back to these kind of resistant moments or periods in time can be really triggering for me because I'm like, what? I'm dealing with a younger kid who struggles with this. You know how to do bedtime. You know the routine. You know the stuff. And you trick me into thinking you can do it every time. We've, yeah, we had one of those nights last night where bedtime was really hard. Bedtime took three hours and it hasn't been. Bedtime hasn't been a struggle for a long time. And I had a really lovely evening with both my kids. My husband was out jogging and running a bunch of errands. So I was like, let's watch a little bit of Anna Green Gables. What do you guys say? Like the old Kevin Sullivan, 1980s Canadian one. You know it, some of you. And so we watched maybe 15 minutes. And and during this time, I had several epiphanies about Anne Shirley and how she reminded me of my daughter and my son and spirited heroines and heroes in time and the ways that we can be connecting to those through through our literary passions and how that those can kind of reinforce the way that we approach our kids in these challenging moments mm-hmm. and and then we went into bedtime and I was so grateful that I'd gone in with that perspective because mm-hmm. it was a lot. Mm-hmm. Apparently, I pulled the bedclothes back to welcome my daughter into bed. So it was just easier. Sometimes a kid rolls on the bed and then you're having to do the like, hey, scoot, da- scoot up, scoot down, like, rah, like pulling a thing. You were thinking ahead. You were trying to be supportive I to your was. six-year-old daughter. And right? th- those are the types of things that can be triggering to sensitive and spirited kids too, is yeah. not having the bedclothes right as they get in, whatever mm-hmm. it is. So I thought I was planning ahead and it turns out I was just interfering and I was messing it up and I really ruined the whole setup that she'd been working on really hard to get perfect. A bunch of pillows, the way the quilt was, all the corners, all the things. And that kind of set the scene for the next two and a half hours of supporting her, uh, winding down, purging stress, getting ready to find sleep in a way that we haven't done in a long time because she's, you know, almost seven. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was really channeling this sort of like 
Anne of Green Gables and Shirley Spirit. And in that moment, too, I was thinking about Joe March and other amazing characters. From Little Women. From Little Women, mm-hmm. from, other, from other historical stories that we hold so dear about these fierce feminine creatures and, mm-hmm. and how to look at that with pride, with admiration, all the things we're trying to do in the Spirited Kids Club, all of the things we're trying to do at, at Upbringing Truly. And, but it was hard in the moment. She wouldn't get in bed. She, wouldn't, she didn't like the bed the way it was. She didn't want me to touch the pillows. She said it was wrong. She was going to leave. It was, we went through every iteration of support in redoing the bed exactly how it had been and starting fresh with all new items. Every single thing we tried failed. And my husband was being incredible too. And eventually I was like, go take your shower when he popped in. I was like, you, you've been given it your all, get out of here. I think maybe we can actually focus a little more mm-hmm. once my son was sort of falling asleep on the floor too, just sleeping on the floor right now. And finally it was just But it's like, what, what normal like thoughts will go through your mind when your six-year-old who usually goes to bed and is doing better in that area, mm-hmm. quote unquote, regresses and mm-hmm. is throwing a fit and having a really hard time. Somehow it's almost harder for us to show up in those moments in areas where our kids have been doing better. We're like, no, you were going the other direction and now you're needing me again. Now you're throwing a big fit about how I literally just lifted the covers up and I it's know. ruined the night. Every, every like, now and then I hear from a friend or, or a coaching person that their kid never does this. All of a sudden they did this thing and it was such a big deal. And coming from a, a, yeah. a, as a parent of sensitive spirited kids, I'm like, that's what I deal with every day. They, if they just do it every now and then, that's amazing. You just let it go. Just let it go. Right. But I, but I felt that in the moment that like, oh, I'm being kind of, you know, attacked. you're messing with our night. Mm-hmm. You're ruining this beautiful day we had. Those yeah. are the thoughts that automatically go through our heads when our spirited kids push us beyond or when they surprise us with a new form of resistance that we hadn't quite anticipated yeah. or thought that we'd gotten I think, over. Like, I can right. recognize those moments that I feel in those, in those challenges with our kids, whether bedtime or other places that I've lost my footing. And I'm kind of like, imagine like walking out into the water and lo- slipping and losing your footing a little and kind of choking on the water a little bit, like a wave. It's like, uh, 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 uh. but I wasn't there because I'd been, we'd been, I'd been like pre-partying, pre-preparing, you don't even waiting in. I was, I was waiting in and then, by then I was floating. Yeah. Mm. through this process and I was able to handle it in the best possible way that I could. Can I handle it like this every time? Absolutely not. Mm. With either of my kids, with both of my kids, with your kids when I do the, you know, babysitting nights. Yeah. But it turned into this amazing connective experience that obviously not everyone can have. I was privileged. I didn't have two babies in the other room trying to go to sleep. I didn't have work to get right. back to right away at 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was an ideal circumstance for yeah. you to lean in rather than push away, yeah. right, your daughter's spirited bedtime behavior. And I think that that's, right. that's something we talk often about in upbringing is how can we lean into these challenges, whether we believe it or not, right. and kind of vibing yes instead of vibing no, you know? And that's what I was able to do is just saying yes and what was going on? Okay, Pillows this way, the pillows that way, the bed this way, the bed that way. And finally, I was like, I'm not going to talk about the bed anymore. And that was a real turning point for us. I was mm-hmm. able to be like, okay, no more bed talk because right. that's perseverating on the situation. If she wants to bring it up again, I will engage. Mm-hmm. But instead, I said, how about lie back with me? At this point, all the beds, the beds, clothes and pillows and stuff were on the floor because she'd thrown them at me. And I said, let's just lie down on the sheets. So I pulled her back and she started kicking her legs. And she's, she's big and tall like we are. It was hard. And all of a sudden, I keyed into this mm-hmm. vision of her when she was maybe like eight or 10 months old. I did this post yesterday on Instagram 
um, in this beautiful spot where I was nursing her. And in the post, I was reflecting on what a, a challenge I had having two sensitive and spirited babies and how much growth came from it for me and how upbringing came from it in a really big way. And I was remembering that. So I said, I remember you kicking your legs, you know, that one trip. Remember where we were? You kicked your legs like this and you had, do you remember your shoes? And all of a sudden she's like, what, what shoes? And I was like, you had little red corduroy shoes and you had this bonnet. So you would go to sleep with the bonnet and the shoes on. We couldn't take them off. And she was like, what? And then and I a said, diaper. And just a diaper <laughs> or nothing. Yeah. But I remember you kicking your legs just like you're kicking. So I was trying to help her kind of like process what she was needing now while reflecting on the story and keeping her in, but pulling her out at the same time and nourishing that little baby inside her. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I said, you know what else you needed? You like to wave your arm kind of sh- 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 on the sheets next to you. And so I did it to her arm and she thought that was really funny. Mm-hmm. I said, I think it was cool and it felt good. It worked for your nervous system to be touching the wall and the covers. You would run your hands on the side of the pack and play, the travel pack and play. Get that input. Yeah. That really good. That was really good for you. And then I was like, what else do you need right now? And she was like, maybe a squeeze. So we were going between the past and the present, between her 10-month-old self and her almost seven-year-old self. Mm. And sometimes she'd lose the thread of the, the story, and that was okay. We'd just be in the present. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a beautiful moment of just acceptance. And that's, that's what we often try to go for is just saying, can I be present? Can I accept what's happening right now, right in this moment? Instead of fighting it constantly Except as is, yeah. right? And going into the past actually helped you, I think, Kelsey, mm-hmm. accept that as is, right? Mm-hmm. Saying you were still a baby inside. And it's hard when our mm-hmm. spirited kids get older to remember that they are that same still little baby inside that was crying so fiercely mm-hmm. and that we attended to with such devotion and such mm-hmm. unconditional love as best we yeah, could in those trust, early months. Right? And trust that whatever they're showing us, they were showing yeah. that they needed to get it out or do it that way or have it this way, mm-hmm. right? And that you trusted that. And it was so amazing that, that you could be leading her in that way and that she could be in that memory, be leading you toward kind of connection, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It made me think about, too, I was remembering when the, the Little Women movie came out a couple Christmases ago. And I remember this one scene in it where I just... And it... Oh, I was T. Like, Chalamet? What? Oh, well, no, no we're not Timothy? talking about him. No? Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not talking about him tonight. He's probably going live. You can go watch him. So yeah. doing something else. Um, but I was remembering when the character of Joe March is talking to Marmy, her mom, after this big explosion with her sister. And she's, she's got a lot of anger. She's a spirited kid. She's a spirited literary heroine. Yeah. And she says, I wish I didn't have to be angry. And Marmy says, I'm angry every single day. And you just don't, you don't ever see that in Marmy. But hearing it is so validating. And she says something like, I don't want to be like that. And Marmy says something like, some natures are too noble to curb and too lofty to bend. And I was just like, oh, my God. Like, that's my life. That's yeah. my family. That's, that's my work. That's, that's you. That's everyone, yeah. right, to a degree. Too noble to curb, too lofty to bend. And we can be that parent that's giving our kids that acceptance, that unconditional love that says, if you're too wild to tame, and that's okay. Maybe I need to acknowledge your nature. Mm-hmm. I need to acknowledge and work with and accept and and uh, be in awe of right mm-hmm. the magic that is your natural disposition. Yeah. I shouldn't be 
taking you as a branch and carving you to fit you as a, a round, you know, shape into a square hole. Mm-hmm. I can let you grow wild and I can watch it unfold and I can be there to enjoy it and support it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that wildness. Yeah. Someone says, just read that part of the book a couple months ago and it resonated so much. Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. But I mean, think of any of our, our literary heroines or heroes or, our um, cinematic ones, mm-hmm. uh, but get in touch with who you love in books and movies and, mm-hmm. and plays, Who's right? Your spirit and avatar. Right. Because most of the people that are the most memorable were super big pains in the asses. They took risks, <laughs> right? They were change makers, risk takers, mm-hmm. hell raisers, rule breakers, rule breakers right? Yeah. That's how you become. That's how you are remembered. That's how you are loved, mm-hmm. Right. Lori loved Joe March because she was so herself, unabashedly so. Gilbert Blythe loved Anne so much because she was not like all the other Josie Pies, plain, <laughs> obedient, conformist, you know, folks in the little schoolhouse. Mm-hmm. There's value to that, right? We have to trust in it. We have to trust in it big I mean, time. Trusting in it is the hard part, mm-hmm. but it's just the beginning, right? Because once we can start trusting in the beauty of our spirited kid's nature, and then we can actually be leaning in and saying, what's next? What can we do? How can we support this? How can we work with loving limits through our resist approach, what we would recommend? But there are so many other ways to basically say, instead of pulling rank in this patriarchal, hierarchical system of I tell you what to do and you do it, we can be working with our kids. We can be making it a conversation whenever we can. It can't always be that way. Sometimes we're juggling too many things and certain things have to happen. Or I mean, certain things can't happen. What do you feel like were the keys to your success mm-hmm. in this situation with your daughter? You know, I feel like we, we approach this a lot with our Spirited Kids Club, you know, where we're like, okay, what to do before, during, mm-hmm. and after. I feel like that always kind of comes up. And what were those essential ingredients for you last night, Kel, with your, your six-year-old who was struggling with bedtime? Well, I mean, definitely my own self-regulation and kind of preemptive, like getting in the right zone, yeah. you know? And I think it's so easy for us to prepare for a big meeting at work, prepare for getting on the plane and, just, you know, flying Packing our kids our stuff cross country <laughs> or going to the lake for a trip. We are so fucking prepared. We've got a list all the way down. But go into bedtime, go into a transition, go into homework resistance nightmare. We're not prepared. We're just going to control. That's what we've been programmed to do. We don't need preparation when we can just dominate another person. Right. But not with spirited and sensitive kids so well. So I think that that it was was an unlikely preparation moment. I didn't walk into the mirror and be like, I'll be right in for bedtime and gear up and be like, okay, guilty. (laughs) There's going to be some resistance. This might last three hours. You didn't like journal about it beforehand. You've got this. Be cool, be calm, be accepting, try to be present. Your kid is doing exactly what they need to do. And remember, positive associations, neutral, every behavior is more is morally neutral situation. We want good associations here. I didn't, I didn't do any of that. I just watched a little Anne of, Anne of Green Gables and that tuned me into a place where I could be doing those things. Right. So, so what's your place? I think yeah. so much is like maybe moving your body if you can, <laughs> or maybe watching something or thinking about something or getting in touch with your, your, your child as a baby and mm-hmm. thinking about them in that way, or tuning that. into a, a, an avatar, literary or cinematic character that can help you realize the purpose in your child's resistance and the beauty and necessity of it for them to live an authentic, beautiful, successful life. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, there's no right answer. 
We don't have these right answers. And we just like talking about it and understanding how it comes up and moves forward and what the practice is evolving to be for ourselves. Mm -hmm. We love connecting with other uh, folks, all of you guys. Many of our um, Spirited Kid Club members tuned in here and they're here right now. We're excited to see even a little bit for our small group coaching call. But this is a process. This can be a beautiful thing unfolding. This doesn't have to be this kind of white patriarchy tactical maneuvering system it isn't warfare at bedtime. Mm-hmm. It can be a beautiful story mm-hmm. if we let it, if we engage with it and believe it to be that way when we can. Yeah. yeah. What's going on with everyone? Someone had a question. Let's go back here. Um, Amy said, love this connection that you're describing as a form of processing and circle back for my guy. So that's picturing them as a baby. He hates the directness of the circle back. Yeah. So yeah, we can be Sarah. storytelling in a circle back. We can say, oh, I was thinking about you as a baby and you were needing this and this, this, this. I wonder if maybe you were needing that last night. So yeah. that could be a circle back. Mm-hmm. Especially with the, our kids who aren't just like more spirited, but they're sensitive too, to that input, that direct talking about a stressful situation. Mm-hmm. It can be really hard uh, for them to want to key into it and process it directly with us. We got to get a little bit um, creative. Sarah says, my beautiful spirited three and a half year old has started apologizing for everything, sometimes because she's bopped her 10 month old brother, but also just for her feelings, which is a sad face. Sorry for my crying mama. Mm -hmm. And then she says, I tell her that she doesn't need to apologize for her feelings, but I've maybe been over modeling my own apologizing when I lose it. I don't want her to think she has to apologize for herself. That is such a great share. Thank you for sharing that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my God. I think first let's validate you modeling and and circling back with your child when you do lose it and saying you're sorry. I think hopefully you're also, when you're circling back with our children, we're going to lose it. We're not perfect. We're on this journey alongside them. There can be moments where we comport ourselves in ways that are less adaptive or less ideal. And we want to process Uh, less ideal moments with our kids. So one of those things is saying, I'm sorry. And the other opportunity in those circle back moments is to process where you were coming from and give them actual intel Mm -hmm. to help them understand that it wasn't about them. So we have to keep remembering when we want to process with our kids, we don't want to make, they're already thinking based on their development and ego state, all of this terrible stuff is because I'm bad. Because like, we don't even have to tell them that. They're going to assume that naturally based on their brain development. So I think one of the biggest things we want to do with circling back is say, that was not your fault. I'm sorry that I, whatever, I struggled to communicate with you. I struggled, I struggled to support you. To stay patient. Yeah. I struggled to support you in that moment. I was struggling in that moment, right? I'm sorry this situation happened. Not I'm sorry you made a poor choice or whatever it was, but where we're having accountability to not just say the re- magical words, I'm sorry, but to build context and awareness that can help our child understand and not take it personally what we did, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, and then I think if our kids are apologizing all over the place, that's okay. That's great. I think <clears throat> that your modeling is is making an impression. Most parents want our kids <laughs> to apologize more. I think you're like, in a pretty beautifully <laughs> unique spot I love there, it was Sarah. Like, my kids are apologizing too much. This it's is stressing me out. No, I'm but, worried that they're going to be people pleasers. I think no. that for, for feminists, though, for yeah. ladies who are like, uh, no, I do not apologize. Mm-hmm. Sorry, not sorry. Mm-hmm. All of those things, you know, you're realizing that we don't want to be 
over-socializing our children in these early years to be constantly thinking of other people's needs before their own. That's a great way to be approaching all of this. It's a great awareness that you're having to make sure that you're keying into her experience so she can build that self-awareness. I would just kind of, I wouldn't mention the apology. If she's like, I'm sorry that I'm crying or I'm sorry that I wanted this thing. I would just say, thanks for connecting with me. You sounded like, and I would just translate Translate. what she could be saying instead. Sounded like you were struggling. Sounded like you had some feelings. Mm -hmm. Sounds like you were needing this. Is that right? Instead of saying, I reject your apology, basically, lovingly. You don't need to apologize. Right. Just like when our kids say, I hate you. It's all your fault. We want to translate what's underneath mm-hmm. and say the impulse behind that is you're trying to communicate what's going on for you, mm-hmm. right? And then just like if our kids are over-apologizing and it's triggering us to be like, oh my God, they're going to be a doormat someday. This is really stressful. Mm-hmm. We can, again, honor the impulse and translate and say, thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Oh, you were struggling. I'm here to support you. This is okay. Trusting that just like with the harsher language, the more permissive language that our kids are showing us is going to change and evolve over time too, right? Amy said, is this also a good way to help them understand our frustration or big feelings when they sense them after a struggle? I feel like I'm not putting it on him, but he's sensing it and worrying about me. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what the, the, the highly sensitive kids, right? They perceive so much. They have all these little sensory receptors. Antenna. They're little antenna and they just pick up on everything and so that's They're the ones that go, Mama, are you mad? Mm-hmm. Mama, are you sad? Mm-hmm. Papa, are you disappointed? What's happening? Right. They yeah. know. They, they get it. They're there already. We do not need to rub it in. Mm-hmm. They're already, they're basically expressing what all the other children are feeling is, I've done something bad. I, I'm valued less. I disappointed my parents. Or I'm curious, you know, what is this? Where's this coming from? That's so true, yeah. too. So, you know, I think, um, I think just, what were you saying, Amy, that- I think helping them understand our frustration is the key thing. Not just saying I was this, I was that, or I'm sorry, but building context. We're talking about narratives this this episode, it feels like, and saying, can we fill in, right? Fill in the chapter. We don't just have to label the chapter of our conversation book with our kids, I was mad, or you messed up, or I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. We can build context and awareness around all that's, those things. That's this incredible opportunity our kids give us, though. Yeah. is to, to say, oh, God, I should probably explain where I was coming from and then be like, fuck, where was I coming from? Yeah. What was I needing? What, what was that turning point? <clears throat> what was hard for me in that moment? Mm-hmm. Because if we're going to articulate something honestly to our kids, <clears throat> just think about it first. Mm-hmm. So they're giving us this really cool chance to be processing and be accessing our needs mm-hmm. and our boundaries and our, our past and, and, and reflecting in a way that we're not used to maybe. And to be normalizing all of it to them. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes... Like, it's okay if our kids see us frustrated or sad or mm-hmm. angry. We want them, maybe not about them and making it about them directly, mm-hmm. but they need to know we're human and we're a great opportunity as their attachment figure to perspective take and connect in those ways. So I think it's saying those things and identifying those things, but normalizing them. Sometimes I feel frustrated. We mm-hmm. all do. Or I was feeling angry earlier and then I did some breathing and I feel so much better now. So we're helping them understand that emotions aren't you that emotions are temporal, that you move through an emotion, mm-hmm. right? That you're safe in your emotions and you can do things to your, with your body that can help you feel better. And that right? you can bring it up later and talk about it yeah. and explore it in a way that none of us probably did growing up. When mm-hmm. we grew up, it was, oh, this explosion happened. <sighs> Sweep that under the rug. Don't bring that mm-hmm. up again. 
And I think often parents are like, but if I bring up my kids' big feelings, isn't that just saying, go do that again? And we're like, yes, go do that again. (laughs) Yes. Go do those big feelings again. Go do that expressing again. Go do that hitting again. It's all going to happen again. And that's okay. We want it all to happen again. We give you permission to talk about what happened, to normalize what happened, to grant permission to them for it to happen again, because we're all human. Right. That's how we learn. That's how we grow. I think so often we like really want to focus on telling our kids how they feel and working mm-hmm. on their emotions. And we're like, they need emotional co- coping skills and intelligence building. And meanwhile, we're missing an incredible opportunity. Maybe it's tricky to do that because we have spirited or sensitive kids that are like, la, la, la. I didn't hear you. I'm running across the room. Don't tell me how I that feel. Right. So we were talking earlier about storytelling and finding other avenues to kind of process that stuff. But we're also missing an incredible opportunity in talking about us or talking about a sibling's situation mm-hmm. and not saying it in a binary, you did this to me, I did this to you, now I'm sad, end of story, end of chapter, but saying this is what unfolded, mm-hmm. this is what's at play right now, mm-hmm. right? This is what this chapter is about and now we're in a new chapter and isn't that so interesting? I love right? thinking about it though, like tying it back to kind of the the Anne of Green Gables and tying it back to the little women and saying like, each of us is writing our own book of our family, not alone, but with all of the other people in our family. It's this big, beautiful, worn copy of vignettes. Mm -hmm. Each is a vignette. Each is a little tale full of strife and humor and vulnerability and love and connection and empathy and anger and everything. That's what we want it to be. We don't want it to be a perfect book of, they did this, and I said this, everyone's Boring. happy, blah, blah, blah. But that's the other thing, is you can only write about something and about your feelings and thoughts if it has something else or someone else to push up against, right? That's how things and thoughts and feelings happen, is that they come up against and intermix with other people. And that's what's so beautiful, and normalizing that idea that we, we have feelings because of each other, and yeah. that's okay. Each, each relationship is a chemical reaction that we can't predict, mm-hmm. even through every stage of development. It just yeah. keeps changing. Yay, everyone. We're going to keep having new chemical reactions with everyone in our family. It's one big, beautiful science experiment slash novel. Novel. <laughs> Sarah said, Memoir. Um, Sarah said, LOL, it's a pretty cute situation with her daughter who's over-apologizing. Thank you. I'm definitely wanting to raise her as a feminist and non-people pleaser. Yes, I definitely needed to be building more context. So in that post-processing, thank you. Yeah. Someone else said, someone else says this resonates so much. Sarah said, I love that. You're safe in your emotions. Yeah. And then Rachel, you said, my four-year-old daughter has constant tantrums uh, and throws things and rip things up. It's so hard to deal with daily. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is so hard to deal with. It triggers us in those moments that we experience dysregulation and anger as children, right? We're not just dealing with the cultural underpinnings that say anger bad, you're hard to control when you're angry. We, we need you to be docile and easygoing mm-hmm. to be able to control you and make money off of you, right? Mm-hmm. But we're also dealing with our own conditioning as children in that institution that isn't capitalism or, or um, religion, or, religion school or, or school or whatever it is, yeah. but it's in the home. And I think that is the, the, the biggest conditioning that most of us are experiencing in these moments when our four-year-olds or other aged kids have extreme feelings right? Even if we cognitively can understand this is okay, this is their body expressing stress, this is at the developmental stage, so four-year-olds are going to rip shit, Mm -hmm. right? Four-year-olds are going to throw things. Mm -hmm. This is so normal. Our bodies are telling us something else because our bodies have stored trauma 
from our earlier years when our anger and physical aggression, you know, that we expressed mm -hmm. very developmentally normally was not dealt with so well. Yeah. You know, our parents and caregivers did the best job they could, yeah. but they were in that inherited legacy too. Yeah. Or it's just like the wear and tear of the day. I yeah. think some of us have, have had that since our kids were born and some of us really kind of start entering into it in the twos, threes, fours, or big transitions yeah. of later in life. And yeah. someone said recently that like, like, it's like your kids started crying once a week. And I was like, once a week? Like, that sounds so amazing. Everyone's on this, this spectrum of, of dealing with it and feeling like it could become chronic. Once a week is very chronic to some people. Mm -hmm. Five times a day is chronic so to some people. I think in this situation, she says she's very emotional. I can't ever tell what triggers it. So part of the anxiety of this parent is feeling like she doesn't know, right? Yeah. She, there's no cause. There's no trigger for this child. Mm -hmm. And I think when our, we had babies, a lot of us were like, oh, we got in a groove of being like, oh, they're crying because they're hungry. They're crying because mm -hmm. the diaper. We think they're about the needs. They're whatever. Yeah. And so we get, we get really keyed in. And then all of a sudden, with these vast developmental changes that are happening to our, our toddlers and our kids, they start uh, basically off-gassing stress from things that happened maybe when we weren't even there or accumulated stressors that eventually just erupt. Mm -hmm. And it feels like, whoa, that's so out of the blue or that's so like, it was just the way I cut your lasagna. Mm -hmm. Like, what the hell? You know, and you said, yeah, exactly. I feel helpless and can't comfort her at times. Mm -hmm. And so I love that idea of comfort. And identifying what does comfort mean? Mm -hmm. How do we show up for our kids in a way that comforts them? Comfort is security. So how do we secure our, ch our children when they're losing their shit, having a, a wild meltdown, right? Mm -hmm. What does comfort mean? What does security mean, Kel, in those moments? Yeah, I think it's, it's when you feel that you can't comfort them. It's really just projecting security. Mm -hmm. So we often hear from people, I can't say anything right. I can't hold them. I can't touch them. I can't fix it. I can't do whatever. And I think the number one thing that we can try to do is just project security. As in, calm ourselves. I'm, I'm calming my, <laughs> yeah. well, we'll work on that too, but I'm projecting this sense of this is okay. What I'm seeing is okay. So we nod. We try to have a loving expression on our face. We get lower Inside, to their level. Inside, we might be like, what the fuck is happening? What do I do? The thing's on the stove. The other baby's crying. <clears throat> Where's my partner? What's going on? And we're just glowing. This non-judgmental, unconditional acceptance if we can but thinking right. about that panicked brain so when our mm -hmm. kids go into fight flight freeze faint right freak out mode essentially mm -hmm. whatever it looks like what do they actually need they don't need us with our back turned because they can't see our faces they don't need us standing over them cowering because it makes them feel more intimidated mm -hmm. they don't need us talking at them because they can't receive language in those moments mm -hmm. they don't need punishments or physical um kind of connection in a lot of ways because it again makes them more triggered and, and fearful mm -hmm. so what they need is security so that's getting lower to the ground like think about approaching a wild animal you guys mm -hmm. this is serious this is the same we're humans we're, they're animals we're all part of nature here so how would you approach a wild animal, right? I guess with a bear, you have to be bigger than the bear. Some things but, you need to yeah. add height. <laughs> right. Some you want to be on your back. like Right. Ah! But I think that with, with humans, maybe compared to some animals. But maybe don't make eye contact. Right. Still. It depends on your child. And I think reading your child's animal language is key here. Love it. It's saying, what are they showing me they need? Mm -hmm. Is making eye contact too intense for my child when they're struggling? Mm -hmm. Is getting too close to them too intense for them? Is getting mm -hmm. too far away too intense? There's no right way to support a meltdown with our kids. They are showing us how they need us. So give us that feedback yeah. for sure. So yeah. that's in the moment things right. we can be doing. Before that, 
as Hannah mentioned, self-regulation, taking those deep breaths, taking a personal time out if we have to. I love you. I see you struggling. I'll be right back. I love you. I love you. I'm just ghosting for a second to take those deep breaths. To picture, not an emergency. to picture that avatar we mentioned, that spirited person avatar, to be thinking about the person we want to be, that role we want to be chan- channeling, right? right? To think about the candid camera or the we're on the Mindy show or whatever the, the thing is that's going to help us show up in a way that won't make things that worse, that make things better. Right? Right. Right. The goal here isn't to comfort, to reason with, to fix. Mm-hmm. It's to literally de-escalate another body that is kind of offline hypersensitive and needs calming just like with our babies we would just lovingly we weren't talking at our babies and ah, Mm -hmm. we were giving them ultimatums right (laughs) from across the room we were holding them we were nearby we had a calm voice Mm -hmm. we were co-regulating we our nervous system was regulating their nervous system and that's what our toddlers and kids need as well that's what i need from my husband i'm like hold me baby be nice to me if you can't physically do it hold me in another way. Right. Hold me with your tone. Your presence. Hold me with your face. Right. Hold me with your presence. Hold me with a question. Hold me with a joke. Hold yeah. me with any of those things. So we talked about how to do it in the moment. Be low. Be connective. Receive that feedback and alter our, our angle. We talked about before that where we can regulate ourselves to be able to co-regulate our kids. And even before that, kids that are having tantrums out of the blue, kids who are feeling dysregulated on a regular basis... We want to be purging that stress anytime we get. So we want to be creating a sensory diet, basically. Get a menu up on the fridge. Make it with your kids, whether they're 2 or 15. It doesn't matter. How can we be purging a lot of the stress? We all have stress. What can we do? We could do dips. We could do jumps. We could do um, pulling. We could do stuff. We could do soft touch sensory We could do stuff. Say, uh, the panini maker where I squish you with the pillows and all the other layers of stuff. Our kids are going to show us what their nervous systems need yeah. in those moments. Definitely. And so if she's ripping up shit, if she's throwing shit, mm-hmm. she could maybe do that stuff before when she's feeling a little better to get that, that nervous system regulated rather than wait till she whoop, blows a little yeah, bit. And know. I think some of this is prevention, but some of it is like, if she needs to blow, just let her blow. Say, yeah. Do just it. be the safe As person. As Janet Lansbury says, roll out the red carpet, bring mm-hmm. it on. Mm-hmm. And then think, maybe I'm going uh, to find a few opportunities earlier in the day, like right when she gets home from school or right before she leaves <clears> her <throat> school or right mm-hmm. before at grandma's, say, grandma, can right. you guys do some jump- jumping jacks before you get in the car? That'd be awesome. That's the prevention Thanks. or kind of yeah. preempting. And then the processing, the post-processing after those meltdowns mm-hmm. our kids have. Right. I think in the moment so often we're like, I want to empathize so hard with you. I want to build those emotion intelligence skills. And meanwhile, it's like they can't hear. We're naming it to tame it. Right? And they're like, no, 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 so, no. Right. No. So it's that's later when we do it. We normalize the experience of feelings. We talk about what they were going through, maybe. We we just ask questions. We create safety and security around it, you know. Yeah. yeah. Someone said, I strongly believe kids don't have tantrums for no reason. They're always pent up emotions. They give us clues all the time if we're really looking. Yeah, absolutely. So noticing our kids' behaviors, whether they're a huge ass meltdown, whether they're a sparky little pokey word, whether they're anything is saying stress, stress in the body coming out right now. And that makes us wonder, what's at play here? What can I be supporting and and securing? Is it a new school? Is it new sibling stuff? Is it parents fighting? Is it what, what, what's going on? And what can I take off their plate? Am mm-hmm. I putting more demands than they need? Yeah. But at a certain point, like you said, I don't know what's cu- what it's coming yeah. from. And that's okay, too. We don't have to be all Sherlocking it up all the time. We can think about yeah. it. We can think about it in the moment, outside the moment. If we're not mm-hmm. getting anywhere, 
just try to show up the That's best great. we can post-process later. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Here, yeah, you said hugs always work or a gentle pat on the back. Sure, if kids like being touched, some kids do not. So mm-hmm. asking on that. Rachel or Rochelle said, working on that. Love you guys. We love you too. You're doing an amazing mm-hmm. job. Rochelle, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks um, for this, everyone. Yeah. I think we're going to wrap it up for tonight. Yes, this has been great. Brief but great. Mm-hmm. Connecting with you all and knowing oh. that we're not alone and supporting our sensitive and spirited kids and those challenges that pop up all the time all of these stressful situations and really thinking stressful situation isn't bad innately. Conflict isn't bad innately, right? right? All of us are going to be moving through this, these situations with our families. And it's part of the book. It's part of our memoir. It's part of our story. We're not editing things out because we don't like how they look or how they sound. We want those parts in there too. It's what makes us human. It makes for a good plot, right? We want to feel proud of those moments. We want to feel, feel, heartened by the good things and the connection that was built through those harder things. I think while we're on the literary metaphor, Go I think we it. have to all acknowledge our story arc as, mm-hmm. as heroines. We're not just trying to raise kids that can become heroines or heroes in their own lives, right? By honoring that spirit, but also acknowledging that doing this work as parents and honoring our kids' um, wild uh, behaviors and, and big feelings in this way is creating a story arc for ourselves that is really beautiful and it doesn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. No hero becomes a hero overnight. They stumble and fall. They go up and down. It's really mm-hmm. dramatic. There's lots of de- self-doubt. There's lots of drama. And that's okay. That's part of, of the narrative. That's what makes it so readable. That's what makes those characters so lovable. Mm-hmm. And so I hope that you are loving not just your child through these ups and downs and this, this character building, essentially, and, uh, but loving yourself too. So I just wanted to say that as well. Love it. Yeah. Check out our Spirited Kids Club. We've got a couple spots left for July and a few open left in August. So it's just small, small group coaching. Gotta head to our call Seven now. other people. <laughs> um, and our Right From The Start baby course, which is open this week until Wednesday. Until Wednesday. If anyone you know, or if you are raising the baby in that first year, mm-hmm. check it out. Whether it's your first or fifth, help you keep it keep it real, keep it simple. Keep it real, pare yeah. it all down. What's the baby's job? What's your job? What's your other sibling's job? Yeah. How to juggle all those needs, all the things. It's big. It's a story in, its, in itself, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Thanks for being here, everyone. We'll see you uh, next week. 